Praise the God, somebody. Amen. How many people are happy to be in the presence of the Lord? Amen. So today is a beautiful Florida day. Amen. If you are born here, you don't understand the blessing that you have. Right? Let, let, let me take you up to Montreal. Let me take you up to where it's minus 20 degrees. So you can understand the grace that God has done for you. So it's a pleasure to be with you today. And we are doing, as you know, we're doing our study in the book of Genesis. And so I'm going to ask you to please open your Bibles with me in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 to verse 12. If you have it, say amen. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 to 12. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. God's word is already blessed. Amen. And so our takeaway today, I'm going to give you the takeaway straight from the jump. It's listen to God. Listen to the voice of God. It's very simple. But unfortunately, how many times, most of the troubles that you would have in your life, you're going to be able to point them to a time where you did not listen to the voice of God. We would save ourselves a lot of trouble if we would just learn to listen to the voice of God. In Genesis chapter 3, So chapter one, creation, chapter two, a deeper view of creation, and then comes chapter three, and they're in a perfect garden, right? If in your life you ever had a perfect situation, you just have to wait a little bit and trouble will come. And and so we start, and the first thing we see is, so they're in the garden, they're having the good life, and then comes a snake, and the snake comes with... Uh, what I would call introduces corruption. So if you follow with me in in the verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. You know, some people come in your life, some come in your life with good intentions, other comes in your life with bad intentions. The minute that you're able to make the difference, your life would be better. Eve is in the garden and her man is right next to her, right? So don't, don't, don't think that we're dumping on Eve because there were the two of them were there. So it's not like you have one culprit, you have two and they're there and the snake comes and the snake starts a conversation. You know, when a snake comes to you, you don't need to talk. You don't need to talk. I know we're city folk, and if I see a snake, I, I, I'm not messing with the snake. Anybody here, you like snakes? No. And, and so they, they start a conversation, and I want you to understand that it's an old devil, but it's always the same tricks. The devil comes always with the same tricks. And, and, and he has three things that he uses in his, in his schemes. He has three things that, that he uses and he uses them all the time. If you follow with me in Ephesians, we're going to jump to Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 to 12. He says, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in this mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So in the garden, they were looking at a snake, but we know that it wasn't the animal, the snake. It was a spirit, that the spirit of the devil that embodied the snake and went to tempt them. And here Paul tells us, we're not here to fight against flesh and blood. If you ever have a conflict with someone, remember that you're not fighting against that person, right? If ever you have a situation that's troubling you in life, your enemy is not of this world. And Paul tells us, you know, put on the full armor of God so that you can be an understanding of the devil's schemes. And the word schemes is where we get the word method from, methodia in Greek. So it's the word method so that you understand the devil's methods. The devil has ways that he always gets you. If you're struggling with a situation, if you're struggling with a sin in your life, if you take a step back and you think, you will notice that you always fall around the same way. It's a pattern. Why? Because the devil uses schemes to get to you, right? And, and he has three things that he uses. And John tells that tells us in um, in First John, chapter two, verse fifteen and seven to seventeen, he says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world." And then he says, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with his desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so here it tells you the three things that the devil has. And you can repeat that for me. So like the de- desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so if we go to Genesis chapter 6 and we look at the conversation and, and the reasoning that's happening in Eve's mind when she's conversating with, with the devil, it says, verse 6, it says, when the woman saw, what is that? Saw, that's the desires of the eyes, that the fruit was good for food, the desires of the flesh, and that it was good to, to give wisdom, pride of life. And then she ate it. And, and, and that's the scheme of the devil. He's whether going to get you in what your eyes see, how many times you get in trouble because of what your eyes see, right? You go to the shopping mall. It, it's literally, you call them shopping malls. You should call them lust centers, right? You walk in the mall or, or nowadays Amazon. How many people, you, you, you went on Amazon, you ordered something, it came to your house, you don't remember what you ordered. Amen. You see, you get to a point, especially during COVID, right? You're ordering so much on Amazon, the box comes to your house and you're like, oh, it's my name. What is that again? Well, you, you bought it, but you already forgot it, right? It, it is the lust of, of, of the ice because you saw it, you wanted it. The desires of the flesh. Right, the desires of the flesh, what 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 the body wants, what the body wants. Uh, if I put in your in your in your fridge a, a chocolate cake or a cheesecake or or whatever uh, apple pie, pumpkin pie, and I put broccoli, which one you gonna eat? The devil is a liar. You know you're getting that cake. You know you're going to grab that cake. You know it's going to be the apple pie nine times out of ten. It's going to be the apple pie. Which one should you take? The broccoli. But ain't nobody trying to eat broccoli. Amen. But that's the, 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 um, so you have the lust of the eyes. You have the, the lust of the flesh, what the flesh desires. But the most dangerous one is the pride of life. 
The most dangerous one is the pride of life because with the lust of the eyes, you can see that you have a problem. With, with the lust of the flesh, you can see that you have a problem. But with the pride of life, you never see that you have a problem because a prideful person cannot look at themselves. And, and, and the example that somebody gave us, it's like, it's like you have a snake, a python, and the python comes and you're sleeping and you don't feel it. You don't feel it until you're all surrounded by the python. And if you ever watch those videos, what the, does a python do? Then it, it chokes you. That's the pride of life. And that's the same schemes that the devil uses all the time. And, and when it came to Jesus, if you follow the temptation of Jesus, he used the same scheme against Jesus. Right? Jesus was in the wilderness. He was praying. He was fasting. And then the devil comes to Jesus and says, If you are the Son of God, man, you've been fasting for so long. You're hungry. Make these stones turn into bread and eat them. Right? So now he's playing, number one, on Jesus' pride. If you are the Son of God. You know how many people get in trouble because somebody comes and says, Oh, if you're really this, do that. If you're really a thug, do this. If you're really, or you're not cool. And so the devil comes to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones, make them into bread. Jesus has been fasting for a long time. So he's entitled to be able to eat. And he has, and what we know from his ministry is that he has the power to do it. Because it's his first miracle. Then Bible study quiz, what's Jesus' first miracle? He turned water into wine. If he turned water into wine, he can turn stones into bread. But then he says, uh-uh, you're not going to get me. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by all words that come from the mouth of God. I'm going to satisfy my human needs, but I'm not going to satisfy them the wrong way. I'm not going to satisfy them listening to the wrong voice. Some of us, we have needs and they're legitimate needs, but the problem is we're trying to satisfy legitimate needs in the wrong way. Right? We're trying to satisfy the need for companionship by going to someone that's not a believer. We're trying to satisfy our need for financial stability by cutting corners. Amen, anybody? But Jesus refused to do that, right? He says, I know your tricks, you're not going to get me. So first he says the stone um, into to bread. And then he says, if you are the son of God, prove it, jump. And he says that now the devil got smart, he uses the word. Because the word says that if you jump, he will send his angel to catch you. So prove to me that you're the son of God and jump. And Jesus answers a bad use of the word with a good use of the word. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So yeah, you got to use that. Because you know the devil can come to you with scripture. So that's why you got to know your scripture even deeper. So when he comes to you with a bad interpretation of scripture, you come with a right interpretation of scripture. And then third he says, okay, come up. Look at all the kingdoms of the world, the lust of the eyes. Look at all of this. I will give that to you if you worship me. You know that a lot of people you like, that's the deal they made, amen? You know, a lot of the people that you see on TV where is that's the deal they made. They said, okay, you know what? I will worship you, give me popular, make me famous. I will worship you, give me money. But Jesus said, nah, the word says, worship the Lord your God and him alone. And him alone. The same way that the devil got Eve and Adam, he was trying to get Jesus the second Adam. But where Adam and Eve failed in the Garden of, uh, of Eden, Jesus succeeded in the wilderness. Jesus succeeded to overcome the devil's temptation. But the schemes of the devil, they're always the same. And, and, and in that moment now, in the Garden, you have corruption came in. And corruption, so in the political corruption, it's, it's like when you bribe people, but, but there's another sense of corruption. Corruption is when you introduce something that is foreign to something that is pure, right? So for instance, if I, if I take, 
Yeah, there's no, no bottle of water. Uh, look, water. If I take a bottle of water, who wants water? Anybody thirsty? Okay, you want water, baby girl? Now, if I open it and I put poison in there, you still want it? Right? It, it, your water right now is, it, it's, it's good. It, it's sealed. You have, um, whatever the brand is, seal of approval. It's pure. But if I open it and I put a little poison, just a little bit, do you still want it? Corruption entered the water. If I open it and I spit in it, you still want it? What you talking about? I just made it better. No, corruption entered the water. And, and that's what happened. Gabby, you want it? Here you go. I'm not, I'm not going to throw it. And so, corruption entered. So when the devil comes and Eve now with Adam, they disobey. They brought something foreign in the mix. They brought something foreign inside the garden. In the garden, they had perfect communion with God. They had perfect harmony with God and harmony with God's creation. And when they disobeyed, they introduced something that was not there before. And now corruption entered the garden. And, 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 and so now in verse seven and six, now what you find is you have consequences. You have consequences. When God tells you, one thing that we don't understand is we think that God's commands are to constrain us. They're not to constrain us, they're to protect us. No, God's commands are there to protect us. If you have a child, do you love your child? Merlene, you love your children? Amen, I know you do. Would you give him the car keys to go drive? No, no, not yet. Not yet. Why? Because they're not ready. Because they're not ready. And if you give them the car keys, that will be DCF is going to come at your door. Right? DCF is going to come at your door because that's going to be child abuse. So the command that says, don't touch the car keys, don't take the car for the young person, they might say, oh no, I want to drive. That's what they want to do. Like when I said that, Stephen went, yeah, 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 I want the car keys. No, you don't. Because you don't know how to drive yet. So God's commands, they're not there to constrain us. They're there to protect us. Because when we stray away from God's commands, then we get hurt. Has that ever happened to anybody here? You know, God told you, you know what the word says, and you went out and did what you wanted anyways, and then got consequences. Amen? Has that ever happened to anybody here? And, and then you realize, oh, snap, you know what? God was was right. Because God's command was there to protect you. So now there's consequences in verse 7 and 8. It says, And the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. First consequence, they, they saw that they were naked. They, they, they were shame. They had that shame. And, and, and you know what's funny? I was, I was reading and I was like, well, and then they made fig leaves, right? They made like their own little fig leaves to, to cover themselves. But I was like, Cover yourself for what? It's the man and the woman, that's it. Why are you worried about the, 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 the cockroach? Like, what, what are you worried about? It's like the you and the man and that's it. But they still felt the shame and they still felt need to cover and hide. You, 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 you want to know somebody that's guilty? It's somebody that's hiding. You're not even looking for them, but they're hiding. You're not even trying to get them out, but they're already defending and finding excuses. You ever talk to someone and they're finding excuses, but you never made an accusation? It's because they're hiding something. And so the immediate consequence of that sin was that they felt shame. And now where before they were able to talk to God face to face or one on one now they had to hide from God they were hiding 
from, from God. And that's the immediate consequence of sin is you feel shame and you feel disconnected from God. But like Pastor Kevin likes to say, you can choose your sin, but you cannot choose your consequence. Can you imagine if Eve and Adam, Adam and Eve, if they understood what was going to happen to their children after they did what they did, do you think they would still do it? Just to give you, think about all the wars that they've been fought over the centuries. It's cool, you can go back to that day. Think about all the crimes, all the violence, all the stealing, all of the stuff went back to, to, to that day. In the 20th century, so from 1900 to 1999, you had more than a hundred million people die just of wars. Hundred million people died just in World War One, World War Two, Iraq, I've, I've got all those wars. And then think about all the violence. There's not one day that you open the radio that you don't find that there's a shooting just in our area. Why you turn the radio? No, oh, those are the Miami uh, shooting. Boom. A lot of shooting, 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 violence, crime, hatred. All of the crimes that you have against humanity, whether it's the Holocaust, Rwanda genocide, slavery, and it goes back and back and back for thousands of years. All of those can you can take back to that one moment when they ate the fruit. Now, when you look at the act of taking the fruit, does it really look that bad? I mean, it don't look that bad. I go to the store and, no, but not to the store, but when I go to my pantry, I take a fruit. Or you ever go to the store and you see the person take the grapes to taste them? They're not arresting them for stealing. So you look at Eve, I mean, they, all they do, you can choose your sin, but you cannot choose the consequence. Because what might seem like a little thing, a little itsy-bitsy thing, creates a chain reaction that then becomes a big thing. Samson, not Samsung, Samson, the strong man, not the strong form. <laughs> I just got booed. <laughs> Huh? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. <laughs> so you go. He liked foreign women. He liked foreign women. He liked the Philistine. But the problem is they're the enemy. But that's what he liked. He liked the Philistine. God says, don't go to the Philistine. Go to your own. Go to those that serve God. And he says, no, I'm going to go to those that don't serve God. And then he gets with Delilah. And you guys know the rest of the story. And what was just what he felt was my business. You know, why, why are you all up in my business? It's my business. And he has that relationship with Delilah. But Delilah was not one of his. So at, when the moment became critical, she was faithful to her own. And being faithful to her own, she betrayed Samson. And, and what happened to the hair? Cut the hair. And now Samson finds himself overpowered by an enemy that he used to overpower. Right? So now he's overpowered by an enemy that he used to be overpowered. And then they take him and then guess what? They pluck out his eyes. So now the strong man is in the circus entertaining his enemy. And that's the fall from grace. The one that was the mighty judge, now he finds himself in bondage in the Philistines and they plucked out his eyes. You know you're too deep in sin when you lose your vision. When you don't have vision for the future, when you don't have vision for life, is because you lost your connection to the one who gives vision, which is God. So Samson finds himself in that situation. David, same thing. David, when he's supposed to be at war with the others, he's home chilling and then he, um, he goes and, and, and steals another man's wife and then consequence. Consequence. They're both facing consequences. And David more so significant consequence that you could not foresee. Out of that Bathsheba episode, by my count, I think David lost like three sons that died. 
because of that one sin that you could not foresee when you were committing the sin. He lost the baby that Bathsheba, because I saw some mentor, question marks on your forehead, so let me show you the three sons he lost. Well, one from Bathsheba, right? She got pregnant, and then she came out, and she died. Uh, the son, God says, no, that's that, he's coming to me. And so the, that son died. But then, David had a son, um, Amnon, and Amnon, he was, I don't know how you say in Creole, like Bekeke, like he couldn't talk to a girl, like he couldn't, he couldn't, he wasn't a Mac Daddy, you know what I'm saying? So, he has no use Mac Daddy no more? What do you use? Huh? Mawoke? Mawoso? Here you go, that's good or bad? Uh, Mawoso. So, okay, Amnon was Mawoso. Whatever that means. I mean, he can't talk to the girls. So, he pretend to be sick and says, oh, send my half-sister to come, to come help me with my sickness. When she comes, and it's in the Bible, when she comes, instead of, uh, of talking to her, he assaults her. Problem for, and then after he assaults her, he kicks her out. Now in those days in Israel, that's what, that's like a horrible, it, it, it says she went to be with the women who were widows. So it's almost like she was a widow. But problem for Amnon, Amnon has a, um, Tamar has a brother, Absalom. And Absalom, he's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. He's taller than everyone and, and he's good looking and he's not going to let you disrespect his sister. So Absalom now goes and, and does like a banquet for all the, 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 the king's sons. And then Absalom goes and while at the banquet, he murders his brother to avenge his sister's rape. Now, why did Absalom do that? He did that because David did not do anything. When the news came out, what Amnon did, David didn't do anything. Why didn't David do anything? David didn't do anything because David knew he did the same thing. So he didn't have the moral authority to go and, and correct Amnon for, for what he did to Tamar because of what he did to Bathsheba. So now, so now, David finds himself, he lost the son of Bathsheba, and then he lost Amnon. But David, though, now he's pissed because you killed his son. So now his anger, now he rises up against Absalom. And Absalom now has to flee. And Absalom flees in Egypt for like, if my memory is correct, like three years. And then after three years, David goes, okay, I miss Absalom. Just bring him back. So Absalom comes back, but Absalom is still pissed. So Absalom, I think he was Haitian because he does a coup d'etat. Right? So now he rises up against David, and now he mounts a, a, a battle against David. And now David, the king, the one that beat Goliath, the one that beat the Philistine, now David is on the run. And it's like he got to run out the house. He's running with his, with his faithful soldiers, and they're running away from the palace in Jerusalem. So they're running away. So now David, the great man of God, is on the run. He's on the run. And Absalom is coming and he's coming and he's coming. Consequences of sin. Consequences. Samson, consequence. But you know what Samson and David have in common? Both of them, they came back to God. Samson, while he's in and his thing is in, 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 in the arena and all the Philistine, they're, they're there, they're mocking him, they're laughing at him. And God, Samson goes to God and says, one more time, God, give me my strength just one more time. Give me the power just one more time. And God says, okay, God sends him the power one more time. And then he breaks the pillars of, of the stadium and the stadium falls on all the elite 
of the Philistine and delivers Israel from the oppression of the Philistine. And by doing so, the purpose of Samson's life, though he went to a detour, he still made it to destination because he came back to God. Because Samson's life, his purpose was to free the people from the Philistine. So he made a lot of detours, but God still brought him to destination. And maybe you find yourself in detours today, but I want you to know that if you come back to God, God will take you to destination. It will take you, it will take you where you need to go. And David, David, unlike Saul, King Saul, when the prophet came to confront David, David did not try to hide his sin. He didn't do like Adam and Eve. He didn't hide. He said, I have sinned. He humbled himself before God. And though he had to face consequences, God said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm not gonna take the kingdom away from you and your son will rule after you on the kingdom. And so when David is, is running away and he, and he is running for his life and Absalom is running after him, there's a wise man in the kingdom. It says, go after your father now. Go, go, go against him now. He's on his heels. He's destabilized. Go finish him. Mortal combat. And so, David had a friend, and somehow they let David's friend in the, in the palace with Absalom, and he said, no, 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 no. Don't go against your father now because your father is a man of war if you go against him now you're gonna lose because he knows how to fight even when his wall his back is against the wall so you don't want to go after him now go gather more men and, and, and go fight him and there's the bible said the bible says god caused absalom not to listen to the wise men but to listen to david's friend and by that intervention god saved david you see, sometimes you're going through things in your life. It's not God punishing you. It's just the natural consequences of disobedience. It's just natural consequences because God's commands are there to protect you, right? If you're going 90 miles on the 65 and you get into a car wreck, don't blame FHP. Don't blame whoever made the road. There was a sign that showed you 65. Now you went 90, you went 105, and then car crash consequences. They told you, don't drink and drive. You went out with the homies, boom, boom, boom. And then you drink, and now, now I'm good, I, I can hold my liquor, and then you're driving, and something happens. Don't blame the liquor company. They told you don't drink and drive. That would be the normal consequence of disobedience. So David was facing the consequences of his disobedience with the baby dying, with the other son, with all of that. You can trace that to natural causes. But when God intervened, when God intervened, he intervened to save David's life. And he said, no, 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 don't listen to him, listen to him. And that's what gave David enough time to, 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 to recruit. And then they fought. And then in that battle, son number three, Absalom got killed in battle. So out of one sin, David buried three sons. You can choose your sin, but you cannot choose your consequence. Touch your neighbor and say, you can choose your sin, but you cannot choose your consequence. And so Adam and Eve, the immediate consequence is they feel shame. They feel separated from God. But God goes and confronts them. If you follow with me in verse 9 and 11, it says... But the Lord God called to the men, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commend you not to eat from? You see, God, now they were hiding from God. They were, now, 
You know what? Sometimes, I, 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 as humans, can, can, can I say this? We do some stupid things. We try to hide from the one who created everything. We try to hide from the one who knows everything. So Adam and Eve, once they, this happened, they heard the voice and they try to hide. Right? Has that ever happened to anyone? You, you did something and, 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 and you realize you did something wrong and so you're trying to hide? I know that happened to me when I was a kid. I probably shouldn't share that. It's going to be TMI. But I'm comfortable sharing it because I know y'all did the same thing. So when I was in kindergarten, I went to, I went to, um, to school. Back then in kindergarten, five years old, you could go walk in the street. Now they're 16, you wanna let them walk in the street. But now when I was kids, I was walking in my little backpack and then that little horrible black dog. I would walk to school. One day, um, I wanted to go to the bathroom. I, I think the teacher didn't let me go, whatever. And the body called. Boop. So when I get home, now that was kindergarten, not last year. So relax. All right, it's kindergarten. So when I get home, I'm like, oh, snap. My parents are going to be mad. So I hid it in the closet. Now, Nelange, who's a mother, she knows what that means. <laughs> so I hid it in the closet. And I don't know how long it was, but my mom said, Dave, come here. Did you put that? But unlike what I thought was going to happen, I thought, you know, they were going to light me up. But instead of doing that, Mama said, no, you can't do that. You need to bring it to me so I can take care of it. Now, to use a phrase from Pastor Perry, if you think I'm still talking about my mom, you're not listening. How many times we're hiding something, but instead we should bring it to God for him to take care of it. How many times we're hiding something and it's starting to smell all over the place. So you think you're doing something by hiding, but God is already seeing and knowing everything. And, and, and it, it, you don't have to hide it from him. Rather come to him. You'll notice that when he calls them in the, the garden, he didn't strike him, right? And so it's what David says in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, it says, where can I, from verse 7 to verse 12, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are here. So there's nowhere you can go from God. You're trying to hide deep in the abyss, he's going to find you. You're trying to hide in the woods, he's going to find you. You're trying to hide in the building, the highest building, he's going to find you. There's nowhere you can hide from God. But I'm here to tell you, you don't need to. You don't need to hide from God. Look what he says in verse 9. He says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. He, so he doesn't say your hand will strike me. Your hand will, will whoop me. He says your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. So sometimes we run away from God because we know we did something wrong. But all God wants is for us to come back to, to him so he can guide us into the right place. So he can, if you find yourself in weakness so that he could strengthen you. He says, verse 11, if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day and for darkness is as light to you. There's nowhere you can hide from what is no point. The only thing you can do, even when you do something bad, is to go to God. It's to say, God, I messed up. Forgive me. It is to come to God. You know, sometimes we're going through situations in life. 
And sometimes it's just life. It's nothing you did wrong. You, can, you know you can go through something hard and it's not your fault. And then sometimes you go through something hard and it is your fault. Because you know what the word said or God told you not to go and you went anyways. So you have those two situations where it's your fault, where it's not your fault, but the solution is the same. You come to Christ. You go to Christ. And that's the point. When, when God confronted Adam, he says, where are you? Where are you? And the whole book after that is to undo what they did in the garden. And when Jesus came, he was answering that one question. Where are you? Where are you? Well, not the geographical location, but your state. Now your your state. You're in a fallen state. I, I, I'm a, I'm I'm the God, the perfect God. I don't know that state of imperfection. I I, I am. But but you know what? I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna send my son, and he's gonna come down to where you are. He's gonna come down to your situation, and 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 then I'm gonna know where you are. And that's why the Bible says we don't have a high priest that can't understand us. We have a high priest that understands us because he suffered and he was tempted in every way that we were tempted, except that he didn't commit sin. And that high priest is also the sacrifice that sets the, the way for us to have access to God. So, so, so my, 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 my plea to you to tonight is to come to God, is to come back to God, is to, to come to Him and to listen to Him. Eve and Adam, they were in communion with God and they did not listen to him. They, what they did is they said, you know what, God, we know your will, but not your will, our will be done. And when they went and they did their will, we got the consequences and we're facing the consequences till now. But God says, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So if that's you, where you're living a life and, and you know, it's burdensome. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. And maybe you're there and say, okay, Dave, how am I supposed to hear the voice of God? How am I supposed to hear the voice of God? You say, listen to God, but how am I going to listen to the voice of God? God is in heaven and I'm right here. Here's how you listen to the voice of God. Number one, the scripture. Number one, you need to be in your scripture. You need to study your scripture in and out. And that's why, like, when you, if you come to Bible study, we don't only study scripture, but we study how to study scripture. If you come to Bible study, is that true or false? Amen. And so, you study the word. That's God's word. But then you do what Jesus did. You know what Jesus did? Imagine the Son of God, the Messiah, you know what he did? Mark 1, verse 35, 37, he says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So early morning... Before all the craziness of South Florida life comes, before all the craziness of North America life come, you get up or you, you, you stay down, but spiritually you're up and you find some time between you and God. How many people believe in the power of fasting? Amen. So you can fast. But you know that every day you're technically in a state of fast. Because if you sleep normal, you're going to spend eight hours without eating, sleeping. So when you wake up, the first meal is called what? Breakfast. Breakfast. So in the morning, your body is already in a state to receive from God. It's already in that state because your body's already suppressed. So the best time for you to spend some time with God, it's not after the kids have been screaming at you. It's not after the boss is, is blaming you for something you didn't do. 
is in the quiet of the morning. And it says, Jesus, early morning, the Son of God, the one who walks on water, the, the one who turns water into wine, that one, that one that tells the storm to calm down, when he has to make critical decisions, the first thing that he does, he goes to his father. Because you see here, it says in Mark in that chapter, he, he had done miracles. So now after he has done miracles, the next day, they want him to do more miracles. So it says, early morning he went to pray, and then verse 36, Simon and his companion went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So everyone was looking for Jesus because they wanted more miracles. And you know what Jesus said after that? Oh yeah? Okay, cool. We have to go to the next town. Rather than to entertain the everybody that's looking for him, he went to the next town. And he says, because that's why we have come. He had a clear sense of purpose. And why he had a clear sense of purpose is because he had a connection with his father early morning he set that time aside for him to spend time with the father so when the request of the day come not bad they didn't ask jesus to sin they asked him to stay longer in this place but he said no my father wants me in that place so yes there's a thousand people here but i don't need to listen to the thousand i just need to listen to the one and the one wants me here so he decides that he goes to where the Father is calling him to be. And how does he have that clear? Early morning, he was praying. Early morning, he was praying. So if you find yourself and you have decisions to make, and, 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 and you're not sure what decision you have, take the time where it's you and God and spend time with God. And seek God until you have peace. Until you have peace. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes the best thing you could do, and you know, obviously if you're married, it's a different story. But if you're single, get a plane ticket. Go in the mountain somewhere. You and God, wherever long that you need, spend time praying. Now I see the girlfriend watch her boyfriend say, you better not do that. But that's just to say, go spend some time with God not five minutes, just however long you need it to be to get the answers that you want from God. If you find yourself where you have weakness, you know, you say, okay, Dave, I hear you. I want to listen to the voice of God, but I keep falling. I keep falling. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, 17. He says, I pray that you, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit within your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. He says, I pray that with the spirit, you would be strengthened in the inner man. You know when you find yourself not doing what you're supposed to do? You, you, you know, you, you know what you want to do, but you're not doing it. And you know what you don't want to do when you're doing what you don't want to do. That's an inner weakness. That's an inner weakness. But with prayer with the Holy Spirit, he says, you will be strengthened in the inner man. So now what used to be so difficult for you to overcome now becomes easier for you to overcome because the Holy Spirit now is giving you strength. And now it becomes easier for you to overcome. And, and he says, and now in Christ dwells in you being rooted. You know the trees that you cannot tear down are the trees with the deepest roots? The deeper your roots are in Christ, the deeper your roots are in the Spirit of God, the harder it will be for the enemy to uproot you. Because God is calling us to himself. God is calling us to himself. You know one of the most decisive moments, and worship team, you can come because we're about to close. The one of the most decisive passage of scripture was when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was in the garden of Gethsemane and which means the garden of pressure. And he felt like, you know, I'm, I'm anxious. And he had 
sorrow and, and, and he was sweating blood. He was so anxious about what was going to happen at the cross. So he called Peter, James and John to come pray with him. And, and, and while he was, he went away to pray, they fell asleep. And while he was praying, he was like, Father, if it's possible that this cup, meaning the cross, be taken away from me, uh, take it away from me, but not my will, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. And he comes back and he said, Peter, all the apostles, they're sleeping. He says, y'all cannot sleep. You cannot, y'all cannot stand with me just one hour. And then he goes back and he prays again the same prayer. He does that three times. He prays the same prayer. Not my will, your will be done, Father. And he tells to the apostle, I know you want to help me, but you can't because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right, you want to do it, but you don't have strength. Say, pray so that you can have the strength to stand. And praise God, they, they all of them, they gave their life afterwards for Christ. But Jesus said, not my will, your will be done. As opposed to Adam and Eve that said in the garden, not your will, our will be done. And because Jesus said that, now we can be saved. Now we can be saved. Because Jesus said that, now we have access to, to God. And now if you're here or maybe you're watching online and you don't know Christ, he says in Romans 10, 9 to 10, he says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Meaning what? Lord is somebody that has over, that has power over you. Right? It's somebody that has lordship. Meaning, Jesus, you are the Lord. You are the one in control. So from this day forward, not my will, your will be done. So he says, if you want to be saved, that's what you do. You say, okay, yes, I messed up. Yes, I sinned. But going forward, I, I, I accept that you died on the cross for me. And then I submit my life to you so that now you are the master. You are the leader. You are the, the Lord. And I am your child. Because it's not God's will that anybody should perish. And what God desires when he comes and confronts us, is for us to be restored. You, you notice how in the garden, both the devil and God initiated contact. The devil initiated contact for destruction, and God initiated contact for restoration. And that's what God wants to do. God wants us to come to him. Come unto me, all you are where you have burden, and I will give you rest. Close your eyes, bow your heads. And so I'm going to call to you now to go before God. To go before God as we go into worship. Just pour out your heart to Him. You know if in your life, if you've been faithful, if you've been unfaithful. But now is the time to bring it to Him. You don't need to hide from God. You can come to Him. Because He's calling you with open arms. God bless you.